This is Further, a weekly show for the people of Harmony Bible Church where we seek to revisit and expand on Sunday sermons with the goal of growing deeper in biblical truth that transforms our lives. Welcome back to Further. I'm Brenton Grimm, and I'm here with Chris Carr again. Uh, last week, uh, we heard a sermon on Romans 2, 1 through 11. And remember, if you missed that, you can find it on any podcast platform by searching Harmony Bible Church or uh, just check out our website. Also, I wanted to mention that this Friday, uh, we plan to release our bo- our first bonus episode. Uh, we plan to use these to try to tackle different cultural issues as they come up. So uh, be looking for that. Welcome back, Chris. Hey, everybody. So great uh, to be with you today. hope this is going to be beneficial for you as you seek to go further in your understanding and application of God's Word. Yeah, so this last uh, sermon was another tough one to take. Um, Paul really lays it on through these chapters and and doesn't stop. Um, It got me thinking, I assume that this, this topic is kind of a weekly struggle for you as you preach the Word because a large part of, of preaching is calling out other people and their sin. So, so what does this process look? Uh, what does this process look like for you as you as you wrestle through the a lot of times the same things that that you're preaching against on Sunday? Well, um, I really work hard to try to make sure I'm applying the scripture to myself before I'm going to bring it and hopefully help people apply it to their own lives. And I quite intentionally, even as I'm writing my manuscript, wrestle with whether I need to say you or we or us. And there are times certainly to say you as I'm trying to bring it home to bear on on each individual and person so that we we don't have room to wiggle out and uh, under this banner that it's we or it's us collectively when it truly is us individually but at the same time I want to communicate with everyone that um, this applies to to me too and so just trying to keep that balance in mind as I certainly as I, I write but one of the things I do in, in my process is I'm normally reading through the pa- passage. Uh, weeks in advance as even part of my devotional time so that my first um, really, I don't want to say strategy, but the first thing that I'm attempting to do is like, what is this saying to me in this point in my life and trying to apply it to, to myself? Um, and that that helps to, to safeguard against simply thinking about what it means for other people. Yeah, that makes sense to use it as a... Uh, devotional um, to make sure you're right with the Lord before you uh, before you go into a, a Sunday. I also have learned over the years that the message is going to have the most impact on the people I'm preaching to when it's had uh, the first kind of go at me, yeah. had the most impact on me. And if it hasn't impacted me, it's really hard for my heart to get to the place where um, I'm able to, I think, convey what God is trying to get across in that particular passage of Scripture to everybody else. Yeah, that makes sense. It's good to know. Um, One thing you talked about on Sunday um, was respectable sins, and you had brought up Jerry Bridges' uh, book uh, with the same name, and I'll have a link to that in the description of this episode. But um, 
you're talking about how the person that boasts um, is just as guilty as the person who has sex outside of marriage or list any other um, sin here. Are are some more are, are some sins worse than others um, from God's perspective? Even though um, they equally put us under God's wrath. So the answer to that is yes and no. <laughs> um, but first, I want to say, uh, do yourself a favor and get some of Jerry Bridges' books. Uh, they'll be a huge blessing to, yeah. to you. Uh, so just encourage you. There's a bunch of them. Um, one of my favorites is The Discipline of Grace. It's had a huge impact in my life, in particular in regard to what we talked about on Sunday. Uh, yeah. But that being said, I think it's helpful to – consider uh, that there is a quantitative and a qualitative aspect to sin. Okay. So quantitatively, all sins are the same. Uh, to quote Wayne Grudem, another one of my favorite authors, uh, in terms of our legal standing before God, any one sin, even what may seem to be a very small one, makes us legally guilty before God and therefore worthy of eternal punishment. So just think about all the way back in the Garden of Eden, uh, it seems like eating the fruit uh, from a tree that you're told not to eat from is a relatively minor sin, and yet that sin was enough to condemn them to death and to have eternal consequences for us all. Yeah. So um, if we need some more maybe a biblical backing for this, James 2.10 through 11, uh, for whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one point has become, has become accountable for all of it. For he who said, do not commit adultery, also said, do not murder. If you do not commit adultery but you do murder, you have become a transgressor of the law. So uh, you keep the whole law but you fail just in one point of it, a minor point, you are, you're guilty uh, before God and uh, uh, you come under his wrath and it doesn't matter what sin that is. So that's the quantitative aspect uh, of it. Qualitatively, however, uh, there are some sins that are greater than others. Uh, Jesus explained that those who delivered him to Pilate committed the greater sin. That's John yeah. 19, uh, 11. So uh, he doesn't really explain any further, but if there's a greater sin, there must be lesser sins. Um, further, in Matthew eleven twenty through 24, Jesus said that the Jewish cities, uh, such as Capernaum, uh, that had heard the kingdom message would fare uh, worse on Judgment Day than the Gentile cities that did not um, hear the message um, and refused to, to listen. So it's really yeah. interesting. Jesus actually says it's going to be better um, for Sodom and Gomorrah on Judgment Day than for Capernaum. Um, and so um, the, the issue there was is that they, they had heard, Capernaum had heard Jesus' message. They had seen uh, his miracles, and yet they'd rejected him, whereas Sodom yeah, and Gomorrah, uh, they never had uh, the, the gospel truth um, or, or really any kind of biblical truth that came to them. So um, Matthew 18.6, uh, we can think about Jesus says, you know, if you would cause one of these little ones to stumble, it would be better that a millstone be hang, hung around your neck. And so we just see uh, really repeatedly, uh, specifically, specifically throughout the New Testament, that there are sins that are um, more egregious to God um, than others. Yeah, and I think even we see how God responds to people with certain sins as well. So in Acts, you have Ananias and Sapphira who are 
struck down dead after being caught in sin, um, Nadab and Abihu from the Old Testament. Mm-hmm. Um, there are some, obviously some sins that are um, a bigger grievance to God. So um, one thing I wanted to clear up from Sunday was you used the word uh, religious in kind of a pejorative way. Um, how would you define religion and, and what context was that used in? I really appreciate you bringing this up because it was something that I wanted to talk about and felt it would have been good to talk about on Sunday, but I uh, didn't want us to get lost um, in the all the different things that we could have talked about and felt it was kind of short on time. So I'm glad for an opportunity to, to kind of address this. Um, there isn't um, anything wrong with morality and uh, religion um, on face value. In fact, they're, they're good things. It's, it's, it's good to live a moral life. It's uh, good to practice religion or to um, – use religious practices, maybe I should say, such as praying, going to church, studying the Bible, uh, serving, um, ministering to the poor. Uh, the problem becomes, and the way that I was using them on Sunday is that when we use them as a uh, means to earn our salvation. So by being religious, I, I was referring to someone who um, – looks to their religion and, and what they they do to um, earn their salvation and to um, justify themselves is the, the term really that we're yeah. going to become really familiar with in Romans right. is we're going to talk a lot about justification by faith alone. And when religion and morality becomes a problem is, is when we are using them to justify ourselves. And so that's the, the way in which I was using it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think I'm thinking back to when I was in college and this whole fad came out of um, it's a relationship, it's not a religion, right? And that's, I think it's it's kind of true in spirit, but it's kind of a semantical trick that, that people were using to get around what, what was perceived as um, legalism. And sure. so, um, yeah, clearly, biblically, uh, looking in James or other places, religion is, is certainly not a bad thing. So, yeah, thanks for clearing that up. Well, there, there is a danger in that statement. It's a relationship, not a religion, because a lot of times what that ended up being is I don't need the church. Yeah. I don't need spiritual disciplines. Yep. Um, those really have no use, and they're maybe even harmful in, at, at times. And um, that's really not the case at, at, at all. Religion ultimately really I mean the basic meaning is the way that we go about um, our relationship with God actually right. um, and pursuing a, a relationship with God. So it, it really comes down to are you pursuing that relationship um, by what you, you, you do thinking that that's what earns you the relationship or are you actually doing those things because you have a relationship and you 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 want to engage and enjoy that and, and, and serve him. So it's what, what what heart are you coming from? Yeah, I appreciate that. It's good. Um you had talked briefly uh, about the difference between judging and being judgmental. Can you can you walk us through that a little bit? Maybe give some examples. Sure. Um when we're talking about judging, we're talking about um, determining from God's word if something is right and wrong, is true or is false. So it's not wrong. And actually, as believers, we're called to um, 
for for example, you can go back to the sexual sin is to to say what the Bible has to say about sex, marriage, gender, and also about <laughs> things like gossip and greed and judgmentalism. It's not wrong to say something is right or wrong. In fact, we are called to do that. We're, we're called to practice discernment. Yeah. We're, we're called to um, live in the truth and live in the light. Being judgmental, on the other hand, is where we are actually condemning people. So um, we are serving as the judge, jury, and executioner, <laughs> and um, where we are, um, we're pointing out their sins. We are doing it, and and also I think uh, self righteousness comes into play here. Is like you're you're wrong, <laughs> and I'm better than you. Yeah. And where um, it's really a lot about our attitude. It's it's really the heart behind it. It's like if you have a, a sin in your life, it's not wrong for me. In fact, I, I should, as a, your brother, um, seek to, to point that out to you. But the question is, am I going to do that in a, in a loving way, in a gentle way, in a kind way? And is my goal in that? What's my goal in that? Is my goal to right. encourage you, to help you? So I think Galatians 6.1 is a key passage here. Uh, Paul says that those of you who are spiritual, and, and really all that means is those of you who have the Spirit, so those of you who are believers, um, if you see your brother caught in a sin, um, you should seek to restore him, but you should do it gently and you should keep an eye out for yourself so that you're not trapped by sin as well. So my my goal in, in pointing out sin, calling sin, sin, should be that I want to be a blessing to you. I want to help you. I want to see you be free from that sin. And at the same time, I got to keep an eye on my own self. And and, and really, and this is, goes back to what Jesus says, is get the you know the plank out of your own eye right. before you try to get the speck out of your brother's mm-hmm. eye. Is like, I got to look at my own life first and, and really judge myself. And then when I judge myself, I will be um, able to judge the other person fairly, correctly, and hopefully in a way that is restorative. A lot of times when – here's I th- how I think we can know whether we're being judgmental or not. We can know whether we're we're being judgmental or not by if we are seeking the good of the other person or are we seeking to make ourselves look better by condemning what they are doing. And right. we might not even consciously be thinking about that, but if we really take time to examine ourselves and to, to dig into our heart, a lot of times what we're doing in judging is we are trying to make ourselves feel better about ourselves. Mm. Yeah, yeah. So examine, examine our own motives before we, uh, before we go point someone else's issues out. Uh, one of the things, um, this is verbatim from your, um, from your manuscript, we're too concerned with the sins in our culture while simultaneously too unconcerned about the sin in our own lives. Um, how do we redirect our attention to ourselves? Um, before we look outwardly? Sure. I think that um, it'll be interesting to see how that this goes over, but I, I think one of the key practices here is we've got to have time where we are spending um, in, in quietness um, with the Lord in prayer and in the Word. 
And um, so we're, we're allowing the Holy Spirit to actually speak um, to us through, through his word. And I think that um, in conjunction with that, we are so busy these days and we keep ourselves so busy that we, we don't have time to actually examine ourselves. Yeah. Which scripture actually calls us to, to, to do. And so I think it it really begins with that. I think an, another key component is to have people in our lives who we allow to speak the truth to us. We're, we're living in community with enough where, where they can actually know us to the degree that they can have a pretty good indication of what's going on in our hearts. And we are intentionally seeking um, that out. But I think that those those two things, and this is where, uh, back to those spiritual practices that <laughs> that we were talking about are, are so important and key and really disciplines or habits that we have in our lives. Yeah. And I think uh, one big arena this happens in is social media, right? We're always... Or at least the appearance exists that we're we're looking outward. We're trying to um, call out um, culture more than maybe we're looking inward. Um, I guess maybe I'll just ask this: um, social media and getting into conversations, arguments. I mean, what are your opinions? Should we abstain? <laughs> Is this helpful at all? I will tell you, uh, just to give in a personal example here, um, I uh, was on Twitter for, for quite a while. And probably five or six years ago, I just removed myself from there because it's basically, in my opinion, a cesspool. <laughs> and um, that's, that's not uh, meaning that all of it is, but uh, I just saw, saw very little um, – good in it and a lot of danger in it. And I know some people will say, well, Christian Christians shouldn't, you know, leave social media to the to, to the world. We need to be engaged in that. I just don't know if it's the most helpful way to uh disciple people and to even um enable yourself to be in a healthy state. Um mentally, emotionally, and, and in particular, spiritually. So I'm not opposed to, to social media at all. We, we use it at the, the church, but I think we got to be really careful about how we engage in it. And I, I would say, like, for, for Christians, very few people are going to be convinced by your Facebook post that they are, that they are wrong. And you're yeah. probably not going to argue somebody over on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, over to your uh, line of thinking. That's just not – the medium doesn't really provide that yeah. any anymore. And um, there are some good uses for it, connecting with people, sharing um, – Things like messages and podcasts, like further, hopefully. Uh, but um, in, in engaging in culture sin is, I, I would probably encourage you. That's not the place um, to do it. You, you really need if you're going to um, engage with with the sin of somebody, you need to do that in relationship. Yeah. Uh, and if you want to talk about it in a culture, now by the way, I'm not saying that we don't address a culture sin, but that's that's why we do it through preaching. That's why we can do it through through books and through website posts, and um, but I don't know in, in, if that's a great way to engage. Yeah, and we all culture. we all know that there's a disconnect between looking at a screen and and talking and looking at someone's face and talking. So there's sure. there's plenty of things that 
that we'll say through a keyboard that there's no way we'll say say in person and so having that relationship one on one will change the way you present your arguments probably right well that may maybe yeah that's a really good point Brenton and I my experience is um and this is something I've learned in pastoring now over the last couple of decades is when I was a a, a young guy uh it was really easy to feel like I had the answers and knew how people should mm-hmm. live and all of that and while it wasn't necessarily wrong about what the truth of God's word was, it, it makes a big difference when the person is sitting across the table from you or, right. or on the couch across from you. And and that um, oftentimes, and it should probably always impact the way that you actually communicate with people. And many people actually know the truth, or at least they know the perspective that they're, we're coming from. Mm-hmm. So, like, we're going to share with them, not going to be anything new, right. but um, it needs to be in some type of relationship if they're actually going to hear it and hopefully um, be changed by it. Yeah, it's good wisdom. Uh, you gave a warning to to people that might be using their own moral or moral behavior or church attendance. Uh, or even service to the church to convince themselves that they're saved. And we talked about this a little bit with the religion conversation, but likely there are people in harmony that have been involved for years that are truly um, that truly aren't trusting Christ alone for salvation. Um, what would be some indicators of this in a person's life? How could someone examine themselves and, and see if this is true of them? Yeah. This is a, a really good question. It's a really Im- important question. And one thing I don't want to do is cause any doubt of, to a Christian, right? I mean, I think I think that this conversation has probably caused some uh, questioning for people that that don't need to be questioning as well. So, mm-hmm. well, I would say that one sign that you very well may be a Christian is if you're actually questioning whether you're a Christian or not. Mm. That might be counterintuitive, but generally people who um, are not believers are not questioning whether or not uh, they are. Uh, That's my experience anyway. Um, And so if you are wrestling with it, um, that actually can be a good thing. And, and so just so that we're, we're clear on this, the Bible actually tells us to examine ourselves. Second um, Corinthians 13, 5, Paul says, examine yourselves to see if you're in the faith. Test yourself. Don't you know that Christ Jesus is in you unless you fail the test? Now, what's the test? Well, you have to read all of Second Corinthians actually to, to see what the test is. Paul gives a number of them. Um, but... Um, I I would just say that uh, we we need to look and see if our uh, life is in line with what we see of the description of the Christian life all throughout the New Testament. So First John is a great uh, short letter to help us with um, discerning whether or not we are Christian. Uh, the apostle gives three basic tests that that we can use uh, throughout that letter. The the first is the doctrinal test, the second is the ethical test, and the third is the uh, love test. So the the doctrinal test is, are we believing uh, the truth and essentially um, the truth about the the gospel and in particular about Jesus Christ? Uh, The ethical uh, test is, are we obeying 
the truth? Are, are we actually living lives of obedience? Now, not perfect obedience, and John makes that clear, but is the overall direction of our life one of obedience? And then the third is the love test. Are we loving God? And then as an overflow of our love for God, are we loving our brothers and sisters in, in Christ? And I, I really think that you can do a lot with these three tests and, and, and dig into them. But again, uh, we would all understand that we, we have to, uh, in order to be a Christian, we have to believe the truth about, about Jesus. We've been talking about that a lot in Romans. Uh, but this obedience test we're going to talk about a lot, especially in the, the last quarter of the, uh, of the book, is that um, if we are a follower of Jesus, we are going to obey him. Jesus himself made that that really, really clear. And again, I just want to emphasize this. I know I said it earlier, but it, it's well worth repeating. It's not about perfection, but it is about a direction of our, our lives. And one of my um, biggest concerns is for so many people who call themselves Christian, but there's no discernible obedience to um, the scriptures, to, to the Bible. And then last of all, and um, John hammers this home. And one of the reasons John hammers this home is because uh, this is what he heard from Jesus. <laughs> um, the world will know that you're my disciples if you have a love for one another. And again, our love's not going to be perfect. We're going to stumble. The, the New Testament um, church, we, we see struggled with this uh, uh, repeatedly. But do we have love for our brothers and sisters in Christ? And so um, I could talk about this um, for a long, long time. But there uh, is a very clear call for us to examine ourselves in very clear ways in books like First John uh, that we can do so. Yeah. And we all with unveiled faces beholding the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For, uh, for this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. I think I've, I've heard it said before that maybe the Christian life, maybe your life looks like five steps forward and forward and three steps back and, and then eight steps forward and five steps back. Mm -hmm. But... I think I think if we can honestly examine ourselves and see uh, a trajectory of of more Christ likeness in our life, then then I think we're probably in a good place. And also, um, we trust we trust Christ to seal and and hold our salvation. And so there there doesn't need to be any room for doubt. Um, so, all right, we're gonna wrap up there. I appreciate it, Chris. Um, Again, if you missed the sermon, check out our website or search for Harmony Bible Church wherever you get podcasts. And uh, we'll have the link to Respectable Sins by Jerry Bridges in the, uh, in the description below. All right, see you next time.